Welcome to the I Love This Book Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Will Gamble. I am a devoted husband and father, a full-time systems programmer for approximately 20 years, but I'm also a publisher's dream come true. I love books and tend to buy them faster than I can read them. I decided to make a podcast to force myself to indulge within my growing bookshelf and to learn from others what books that are special to them that they can't stop thinking about and sharing. My guests today were kind enough to help me launch my first episode of this podcast. We met at Barry Toastmasters and we hit it off, all four of us. Now, Barry Toastmasters, if you don't know, is a local chapter in my city for Toastmasters, which is a nonprofit which basically helps people with their communication and leadership skills. My guests are Florette Nags, a real estate agent. Amber Beckett, a personal development coach, and Yash Lipkowski, a team lead for developers at Bell Canada. The one thing we all had in common is that we love to read books, and I asked them to come over for dinner and to just share their favorite books. It was unscripted, and it was after we had a delightful dinner just catching up. This was probably the first dinner I hosted after the pandemic, and It was just great to see some old friends. What I really appreciated was their generosity in letting me figure out the audio. Uh, In particular, my audio setup wasn't quite ideal at the kitchen table, so I apologize. I had to use the backup, which was my cell phone recording, but I still think you'll find it an amusing conversation as we talk about the gems we love between the pages. Let me kick off. Thanks, guys, for coming over for dinner and, <laughs> and treats, and uh, more importantly, to talk about books. Um, we all met at Barry Toastmasters. We did. We did. Yes, we did. It's true. It's true. All three of you, every time you, you went up, you talked about something, and I always learned something. More often than not, you guys talked about a book. I would be scribbling notes down, and it was always, uh, it was like a TED Talk every time the three of you went up to talk. So I thought, I'm going to extract as much information from you (laughs) as possible. I invited you guys to bring your favorite books or books that you thought were interesting. Bring our favorite books? Not your favorite, not your favorite. I see books it. to talk about, right? I see, yeah, books to talk about. I see a large stack in front of I us. I brought my recent books. That's perfect. Okay. I've, I heard some of you, I was overhearing recent books, favorite books, these books, friends of books. I picked books that I can say that I actually finished because I am surrounded by books. I am mm. guilty of buying books, actually finishing all my books. I'm 100% guilty. But these are the four that I'm going to talk about this evening are books. I know. No, no. Oh, it's I just... think I recently bought that book. Which one? That top one. This top Girl's one. Favorite. Okay, so we'll start it off. The Power of Habit. Who's read this one? I haven't read it, but you I haven't read it. it. I, I think it's on my show. Okay. I've Charles... heard a lot about it, and I feel like I've read it, but I haven't. Like, oh. I've just... Mm. He wrote another one recently. Um, I have it downstairs. I forget the exact title, but this is what really put him on the map. Charles Duhigg, The Power of Habit. This is a book where I would scribble all the notes in the the front covers. I don't know if you guys do that or if you never. 
This uh, this book <laughs> tweaked me out as far as just interesting things. A lot of interesting stories. I don't want to ruin it. But basically, he breaks down how we operate with habits. Mm, uh, right. will, willpower mm-hmm. doesn't really work. <laughs> but he actually, sure. uh, he talks, the two interesting stories I remember, he, he talked about this gentleman that lost his ability to make new memories. Like he couldn't, if you told him, today's date, he left the room, and said, hey, what's today? He couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And yet they observed him when he had to use a washroom, he would get up. And he would go to his washroom and he'd come back and they would say, where did you just go? And he'd be like, I don't know. They said, where, where's the washroom in your house? He's like, I don't know. And same thing. If he got hungry, he would wake up and he would just help himself to cashews in the kitchen and then he'd sit back down. And then again, they would ask him, what did you just do? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. So that really, it was a brain injury that, that prevented him from making new memories. But he had something in the, like the stem, the stem of the brain that they started looking at where okay. we form habits on like a, such a, like a, a primal level that mm-hmm. once it's in, it's like, it's not something on the, the neocortex that we think about. So that was an interesting story. The other antidotes, how they marketed for breeze because they were trying to get people to form yeah, the new habit. Yes. Really familiar. yes. <laughs> I think maybe you've read this book. You probably read it. It is yellow. Maybe. It would work on your bookshelf. <laughs> So, yeah, okay. so how they marketed Febreze, they had to get people, they had to get the consumers to start a new mm-hmm. habit. Then they talked about how to, um, Hey Now by Andre 3000. When the song first came out, they said, this thing's going to rock the charts. When it came out, people were like, what the hell's going on? So they actually had to train listeners to, to form the habit. They did that. They did, yeah, Dory the Explorer and Blue Clues. It was just, he was all over the map as far as setting habits. And then he actually gives you the roadmap. Same how to actually form a new habit. So I thought it was interesting. It's not a book about like, how can I change my life? It was about going deep. Why do we mm. have habits? Mm. The uh, science. So I highly recommend that. That's neat. Are you familiar with DJ Fogg at all? <clears throat> he talks about tiny habits? No. No. You? No. No. Okay. So he, yeah, DJ Fogg is a Stanford professor and has run persuasion labs and all sorts of things. So he is kind of the grandmaster of persuasion and behavior modification. PJ Fogg. BJ. BJ. Yes. And he came out with a book, I think during the pandemic, so within the last few years, called Tiny Habits. And he talks about how habits are formed and again, underscores that relying on motivation isn't going to do it. So I won't spoil that. Maybe we can talk about that book. That's interesting. You know, as Paul, you're you're saying that you don't finish books, so it has to be it has to be a really impactful book for you to finish it. Yeah. Now this book doesn't tell you how to change your life. It really just went into the science. Was it like your science mind that got you so fascinated Mm. that you finished it, or was there? Did you pick up on something about yourself, or did you pick up? Did you get excited that your life can change because of this book? Yeah. What was different about this one? This book, it was. um, It was almost a joy to read. I find um, a lot of self help books. It's it's if they get preachy or like this is what you got to do. Mm. you're going to lose me. Whereas if you're entertaining, uh, I often think of Malcolm Gladwell the same way. Mm. People give him a lot of slack because he kind of cherry picks to tell a story, some facts, but don't we all? Yeah. But I think that's what makes a great writer. You have to get the person to read if they're not, then so yeah, maybe he was using habits on me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, definitely the science behind it. I just, it just thought about the, 
Like how to sell Febreze was really interesting. <laughs> how to what? The how, Febreze thing. Yeah. yeah. No. I don't think I read this book because the cover is not familiar and I always remember a cover. But I think I heard a podcast on it or something. Somebody read it and told those stories because I remember the Febreze story and I remember the man in the house story. Yes, oh. yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a fun read. It really is. And uh, yeah, to answer your question, I think it was just it was just a joy to read. It was you're learning, but you're also it's one of those fun antidote things. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, hey, let me tell you something about Febreze. And <laughs> yeah. People can be like, what the hell are you talking about? But right. More yeah. conversational, like you were talking with a friend, and they're telling you, oh, I heard about this thing. Isn't this neat? Versus yes. preaching from the rooftop. Yes. Yes. Mm. That's my jam. That's why I like these books. The next book from my guilty pleasure list, the one that I had mm. to share, Trust Me, I'm Lying mm. by Ryan Holiday. This is actually, this is going back a few years. Yeah. This, uh, he starts the book off by talking about how he promoted Tucker, uh, was it Tucker Max? Tucker Max. They came out with a movie. It was okay. It was an okay movie. But he basically, he paid for a billboard. Then he spray painted, you know, oh, this misogynistic I pig. Story. Then he took a picture of it. He put it on uh, social media and said, look, uh, it's, I'm glad to see somebody else that thinks this clown is. Basically, he manufactured misinformation intentionally. Oh. Next thing you know, people were trying to ban the movie in theaters. They, he, it just took out of control. He started the ball rolling. And next thing you knew, people had hashtags, signs. We have to ban this movie. It's a t-. And he just got all this free publicity. And he's, no he walks through, and I think it's timely because... <laughs> yeah, it's miss- happening, <laughs> right? The mob culture. So when I actually went back to look at interviews when he uh, posted this, a journalist actually pushed back and said, yeah, but if you if you post some bullshit, is it somebody going to call you on it? And he said, the way the machine's set up right now, it doesn't even matter. Once you've spread the lie and it's already it's already That's done its hard. job by the si- by the time somebody's already you know corrected like oh he was false in his state it doesn't matter and we're seeing this in real time uh, mm-hmm. last couple of years just you know you can go through uh, different elections you can go through the pandemic misinformation has gone out there. you'll have scientists, professors whoever trying to correct like that's not correct but it doesn't matter. Mm. There's people that have already absorbed that information. They actually believe it. It's he 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 really walked through the dark arts of how to manipulate things. He even uh, worked for American Apparel, and they would do things like they would make commercials that were too edgy for Super Bowl. They knew they would they would cross the line, and then they wouldn't air the the commercial. And then they would use that and say too sexy for the Super Bowl. Mm. And so then people are dying to see the commercial. It was just right. sneaky shenanigans after another. Right. So, yeah. In front of more eyes and, and more memorable. More yeah, memorable. You know, on that, Get I, I heard that. It. I think it was 2018 or 2019. One of the most popular words used or new words used was truthiness. Truthiness. <laughs> <laughs> and it was coined by Stephen Colbert where he realized that we, we we don't look for truth. We just look for something that sounds true enough, you know, so truthiness. So what was the truthiness factor? So it kind of reminds me of that billboard. Like, well, yeah, some some, some bad stuff written about somebody. Yeah, it looks true enough. That person's probably bad. And then we just accept it and move on. And, you know, the mob spreads. Yeah. So it, We're just inundated with so much. It's hard to 
critically think about everything that crosses your path. Well, that's the time to research everything that they hear and yeah. see and come across. Right. There's no solution. In a perfect world, we <laughs> would evaluate everything fully yeah. rationally, but we're just too much. The volume. Too much. <laughs> okay. So, moving <laughs> There's no Borrow it. I'm gonna save that one for last. And that's one of his first books, right? He's gone in a completely different direction since that. He's gone he's, down he's if you look at path. yes, yes, you're 100 percent right. That's what he's famous for now. He actually he's referenced in one of the books that I brought. Actually, okay. He, oh, like, he did the ego. Oh yeah, he did. The, he did a blurb. He's <laughs> blurb on the back of book about Ego story. is the enemy. Obstacle is the way. Mm-hmm. Um, Daily Stoic. Daily Stoic. I actually saw a video where he actually showed his writing process. It was quite interesting. He, he used index cards, and he would just kind of. It was quite interesting, but yeah, he's totally different direction where he started from. Um, I have to get through my list. I'm looking. I'm getting. I'm getting anxiety looking at your 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 stacks, everybody. We don't have to talk about all of our books. Every single one. <laughs> uh, this book is an audiobook that I've listened two times. It's called "Chasing the Scream" by Johan Harry. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Johan Harry. I'm guessing it's Johan. Johan. Thank you, Yash. Thank you, Johan. Harry. 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 Harry sounds great. Harry sounds great. We're all speaking yeah. with authority. Yeah. Yes. You can fix those afterwards, right? Maybe. Just edit it all out. So his book was called Chasing the Scream. Uh, the first and last, uh, I can't read his full subtitle, but it was uh, The First and Last Days, I think that's what it was called, of The War on Drugs. I got this book uh, based on an expert excerpt. Expert? Excerpt? Excerpt. Excerpt, thank you, from a ma- uh, <laughs> newspaper. And if you had an, if you have a stance on drugs, I guarantee you this book will sway your decision, whatever it is. I, oh, really? Yeah. I, no matter what the stance is? Whatever your stance is. That is bold. Wow. I, I guarantee you. This is the only book, uh, audio book I've listened twice. And he, he makes a compelling argument um, that we should decriminalize drugs altogether. Right. And that rather than criminalizing drug users, we should... Treat it as a sickness. Get the healthcare system to help these people. Right. And he goes right through the history, right back to prohibition with alcohol and narcotics and how um, I can't even really do it justice. I, I just, I love it so much. Hi, this is Paul here. I'm just going to interrupt myself. I don't want to shortchange Johan Hari. So actually, to really do it justice, what he describes in the book is some profiles of certain individual that were responsible for the war on drugs. So the names that I were that I was gapping on was probably the the main character was the first commissioner for the Federal Bureau of Investigation, Harry J. Anslinger. He goes to great depths to describing this individual and how he kind of He's the one that's responsible for the war on drugs. Uh, Specifically, he goes into depth of how he went after the jazz scene because it was a very scandalous scene at the the time. And specifically, he went after Billie Holiday, a very prominent black female singer in the jazz scene who unfortunately had addiction issues, and he wanted to make an example out of her. So um, 
Har, uh, excuse me, Johan Hari takes uh, extensive time just to describe how um, Harry Anslinger really, um, it, when it came down to it, he was racist. But ironically, in the end, uh, towards the end of his life and career, he himself was addicted to morphine. So it was a bit of a an interesting um, paradox of someone that started the war on drugs. I also talk about a little bit later on the Rat Park or the Rat Paradise. You'll hear me talking about it was Bruce K. Alexander. He was actually a uh, Canadian psychologist and professor who did the Rat Park experiment. And uh, it was Portugal that had to abandon their war on drugs that changed their whole drug policy that I really, I apologize for, I had to do the post-production details on this. And this is an example of a little bit more prep next time I talk about my favorite books, but I hope that clears up a few things. Okay, back to it. Basically, the founder of um, the narcotics, he was he was all, he was a bad dude. Really. Um, but basically, just there was kind of a hidden agenda, and he really took the time to um, to talk about the 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 black market, the underground, like mm-hmm. uh, the gangster leaders. If it's criminalized, you have this incentive for these people to do whatever it takes to keep their business it's all going. Secretive, and that's and part of the desire no, and no quality control. The excerpt that made me buy this book was the rat story. Yeah. Did you hear this story? I did. Uh, okay. So the in the story. in the eighties and nineties, there was this commercial. It was almost as famous as this is your drug. Uh, this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. The egg on the frying pan. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. There was another commercial where they showed a rat in a cage, and there was just a wheel and water that was laced with cocaine. And the narrator's like, "It's so addictive," and they just kept showing this rat going to the to this water, and basically every two seconds, every two seconds, yeah. it ODs. There was this. Uh, I'm, I'm, and I, I wish I could give credit. It, it was a scientist. It was a social scientist or a psychologist scientist. He looked at that commercial and said, what if it's the cage? Right? <laughs> what that if it's the cage? Life. There's nothing else to do yeah. there. So he made a little rat paradise. He basically gave the rat lots of toys. He made it a lush environment. He actually put other rats in it. And he put regular water next to the cocaine-laced water. And that the rats would try the cocaine-laced water, but then they would stop. They would just use the regular water. And the comparison he made is that if you put people in jail for a drug crime, mm-hmm. you're just encouraging them to go back to the drugs to escape the reality. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about this book. It really, I need to listen to it a third time right. to actually get the names properly. But right. um, Richard Branson is actually a big activist behind that movement about legalizing drugs, uh, treat it like a problem. From the youth, right? It's like, oh, you do drugs, and then you instill pity. No one wants that pity, and so <laughs> it, it stops drugs from being cool to like a problem. There's something wrong with right. you, and and that is very impactful. And I wonder if this is the gentleman that inspired Richard Branson. You might be right. You might be right. Like I said, I really, I, I didn't have a strong stance on drugs per se, but then after this, I was like, it's, uh, yeah, I. I challenge you guys to, to, to look at the book. <laughs> I would be interested in either reading or listening to this book. Because I, I really do Absolutely. believe that. Yeah. The audio book is fun. Instead of giving people a hard time for the decisions that they make, and if they choose to use 
drugs or whatever other means to try to escape from their lives, mm-hmm. why don't we look upstream of that and try to understand why is their life something that they want to try to escape from, mm-hmm. right? And solve the issues that they're facing and, and the things that they're trying to avoid or numb themselves from. What I really liked about this book, too, is that he painstakingly went through every argument. So if you had it like, what about this? He would he would actually compare countries or states or provinces with actual data and said, well, this is what they tried. And then mm. this is what yeah. happened. And so it wasn't just antidote. It was actual. There were some yeah, countries. Some yeah. yeah, there was like actual. Portugal? It was it Portugal? There was there was one country. I I wish I remembered, but he basically said <laughs> they basically they had to decriminalize all drugs because it wasn't working. They couldn't they couldn't arrest everybody. Yeah, it was just it was too costly. It wasn't working. People were ODing, so they were like, "All right, hail Mary, let's try this," and things improved. And they they gave reasons why things improved. So, my last book before your turns. This is a guilty pleasure. Ready Player One. Whoa. The audio book by Will Whitman. Oh. Read by Will Whitman. I've heard of people Whitman? addicted. Damn, there's my... There's my uh, <laughs> this okay, sounds truthy. You, it sounds back. truthy. <laughs> <laughs> there's some truthiness to that. Do you know Will Whitman? Well, Wheaton sounds familiar. <laughs> Wilton doesn't, but <laughs> <laughs> who is Will Wheaton? Is that an actor? That is an actor. He was—he's the one that voiced the um, this book, which is actually by Ernest Klein. Mm-hmm. He is uh, in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Oh. Wesley Crusher. Mm-hmm. Sure. Anyway. <laughs> and then in Big Bang Theory, himself. Yeah. So this I is the movie already started. Oh. They made the movie already started. <laughs> they they, they did make a movie out of it. This is a guilty pleasure. The actual audiobook, I haven't read the book, but I listened to the audiobook. It was a pleasure to read. It was just fun. Sci-fi. Yeah. It was a it was a nice little escape from all sort of things. So some of us in a technical world don't think it's sci-fi. Some of us in a technical yeah. world think it's just we're just looking at a glimpse of the future. Near exactly. Future. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> And it, and without a without a lot, I haven't read the book. I saw the movie. Mm-hmm. I have many friends that read the book. Mm-hmm. Virtual reality is I'm not going to say a fear, but uh, yes, I, for my kids, my, I, virtual reality is a fear of mine. I believe mm-hmm. that really? I have experienced virtual reality to be extremely addictive. Okay, well, I've had don't a taste read of it. Ready Player Two. Then. Oh, right. Oh. <laughs> Player Two is that a thing? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. That was last month. And oh, is it's a drive it behind my oh, types of vacations. Ready Player Two. Is it good? Okay. I'm sold. Yeah. I'm lost. Explain. (laughs) Okay. I'm sorry. I know nothing. Yep. It's me again, interrupting myself. I should have gave a little bit more preamble before I jumped into my last book there. This is my fictional uh, contribution to my list. The other books were non-fictional. This is a fictional book as I mentioned, by Ernest Klein, read by Will Wheaton. Sorry, I mispronounced it, Will. Uh, and it, I got the audiobook on Audible. They did make a movie, as Yash had mentioned, and that was directed by Steven Spielberg. So just to give some context, it is a fictional piece of work. I don't know if I made that clear, but I rarely read fiction these days. I blame you, Tim Ferriss. But I have tried to to add a few gems to my collection these days. And this, for sure, is a must, in my opinion. 
but I am biased. Okay, back to it. Book, you have to explain it. Yeah. All right, fair enough. So uh, the premise, if you haven't read this book, Ready Player One, is basically uh, there's this virtual reality game that everyone's playing, and the founder, he dies, but he leaves a message, and basically he says, I, I've hidden an Easter egg, or a, a series of Easter eggs, sort of a challenge. And he said, if you win this contest, you win the whole ownership, my estate. Oh, okay. And he, like, everyone in the world is playing this game. Yeah. And the corporations are freaking out because they're, what do you mean, everyone wins his estate? And so everyone's <laughs> trying to crack this contest, and this one super super fan he he does he breaks okay. it he starts breaking the challenges and then the whole world starts going crazy it's 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 an adventure with a motley crew of his friends motley nice <laughs> gotta have that little motley crew right, yeah. lots yes. of 80s references it's awesome okay there's even a soundtrack on spotify of all of the songs referenced in the in the books oh yeah so it's a fun one to listen to in the background while you're reading too the next voice you're going to hear is my friend Florette Nags going through her books. Now, she will certainly downplay it, but in my opinion, Florette is a real estate superstar. In fact, she has two jobs where she just teaches real estate, one being at Humber College. You can find more about her at FloretteNags.com. That is F-L-E-U-R-E-T-T-E-K-N-A-G-G-S. The link will be in the show notes. Here's Florette. Well, I brought four books. I'll go next, I guess, if you want. Uh, my first book is written by my best friend, Santina Cross. It was her uh, first book that she wow. published, and it is nonfiction. So she actually came across... Um, she discovered on her own that because we have seven chakras and there are uh, 12 sun signs, she discovered that everybody meets in a certain chakra or color, depending on when they were born. So I am born in September, and I'm a Libra. And Amber is an Aries. Yep. She's March. We're actually equal opposites. So we meet in the, the top um, chakra. The, the crown chakra? The, the crown? The third eye, isn't it? What's that? You tell me. I think it's the top. I'm one. not. I'm not confident. But I, don't I thought, know, it, was thought it was the third eye. But uh, da, da, da. what grabbed you for this book? It is the crown. Good job. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I just found it amazing that she came up with this concept herself. I've known her since we were seven years old, so yeah, really we're really old friends. And I kind of watched her grapple with this and come together with it and, and uh, really put it to paper. And uh, so being a part of it was a big deal for me, but also just that um, I find it interesting because I, I like... Why do certain people get along and certain people don't? Mm. You know, is there some magic to that? And the nature of your relationships. Yes. How it can be different. And how you, you attract the same people in your life if you're dealing with something that you haven't overcome yet. Mm. So when's your birthday? January 15th. January 15th. So you're an Aquarius, right? Capricorn. 
Seagull. Anomaly is like a week before Aquarius. January 15th. Yeah, you're Capricorn. Is, yeah. You're saying that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> no, no, no. no. I'm I, I was like, like, no, you're not. You're an Aquarius. <laughs> I don't know why in my head I, I thought that. But yeah, so you are... So let's see. So you're Capricorn and what are you? October 5th. I'm a Libra. You're a Libra too. So we meet in the in the base, the root chakra, and you guys would meet, so it would go... How many signs apart you are. Yeah, so it goes Libra, Scorpio, Sagittarius, Capricorn, so in the fourth, which is in the heart chakra. So how, yeah, how it works is if you're the same sign, then you meet in the the first, the root chakra if you're which means like you're the same tribe right if your birthday's in the same kind of month zone right and if you're a month apart on on either side then moves up one chakra and if it's two months apart then you move up another chakra and so on and so because we're exactly six months apart from each other right your birthday's my half birthday and vice versa then we meet at the crown chakra what does that mean? That you meet at a certain time of day. <laughs> I know it sounds a little hokey pokey, like right? With our heads connected. It yeah. means that we we um, flourish when we share ideas and spiritual right stuff. So the what, crown. That's chakra what the crown represents chakra represents. Specific and things. And we meet at the bottom to so be wag our butts something or yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. we're into butt wiggling. And... <laughs> okay. It's more about your tribe, so the very basics, you know, think about the hierarchy of life, the the basics, the shelter, the food. So that's how we connect. And this this is your friend Santina Santina Cross. Yes, Santina Cross. And you saw she lives in Jasper, Alberta, and she's lived there for twenty five years. And you saw her from the process of writing this whole thing? Like oh wow. And got to read like early versions of it and yeah. So very special in my heart. So I wanted to bring that and share that with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, my second book. Uh, everybody's heard of Mitch Album. The Five People You Meet in Heaven. Oh, yes. Tuesdays with Maury is the big one. Yes, I actually do have that one. Okay, so this is like, I don't know, maybe his fifth, sixth, eighth book. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I really liked it because it's music-based. It's called The Magic Strings of Frankie Presto. But all of his books are spiritual based, and um, I am drawn to that, mm-hmm. to the ideas of um, spirit and to philosophy, like how you how that how that influences how you live your life. So um, it's kind of chopped up in the way he writes this one, but it's a really good book if you want to have a look. Take a peek, see. I did start, this is one of those classic, I started reading a book and then it went on the shelf, but uh, I actually stole it from my mother-in-law, the, uh, the the Tuesdays with Maury. Yes. And it was, um, that is nonfiction, right? That is yep. based on his, his. Uh, he was talking to his professor that was dying. It was a teacher, yeah. Who was dying. Who was dying and, and he, he made met it a, every Tuesday mm-hmm. and... What I've read thus far is it, it was really touching. Actually, was hitting a few nerves. I was like, "Oh man!" I'm like, mm-hmm. "It's." Uh, but it actually, uh, what I really appreciate is he's talking about our mortality. We're all going to die. Yeah. And uh, his professor. Wait, 
<laughs> Spoiler alert! I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Ash. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. But uh, yeah, just a, a frank discussion. So yeah, hmm. interesting. Now, do, you, do you read halfway through a book and drop it, or do you read like first quarter? Or how, when you say you don't finish books, how far do you you're, get? You're, you're not going to leave this alone, are you? Get a well, yeah. kind of bugs. Them. You know what? I this is your podcast. I think the audience has a right to get to know the podcaster. I think life is too short to read books that we just aren't resonating with. Yes, and there used to be. I used to finish a book just so I could check a box and say, I read it, or I could brag it that yeah. I read it. Mm. And now, if it doesn't grab me, if I, I'll, I'm like, eh, I'll keep it around for reference. Um, but yeah, it, 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 I'll have to make it a chore to say, okay, there is important. I'll give you an example. There was, um, I heard for years, Richard Dawkins' The Selfish Gene is a, mm. is a really good book. I kept hearing this. It is I found it a grind. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I had to walk back and forth when I read it. I don't know where my copy is now. I've mm-hmm. lent it so many times. Uh, yeah, it was It was an easy reading, right? And um, I think that's totally acceptable, too. You have to step up your reading. And so sometimes I'll, I'll take a book that's, you know, it's a slog. And mm-hmm. so, but, yeah. Yeah. You guys always finish your books as no, soon as you no, cry? No, definitely not. No. I do that same thing, and I, I just say to myself, this book is not meant for me right now. And mm. I put it back on the shelf, and mm-hmm. sometimes I'll even leave the bookmark in it <laughs> so that I know I haven't read it. Do you guys use bookmarks or dog ear? I'm both. You can Both? I random oh, scraps of the, paper. Sometimes the book covers, you know, the paper. I use that. Oh, those things drive me crazy. Yeah. The, dust cover? the dust cover? The dog ears. The dog ears? Random scraps of paper. Random scraps of paper. Post-it notes, cue cards. Receipts and, and tickets. Yeah. It's usually something that I can write on so I can make notes while That's I'm reading. That's a good reading. idea. That's a really good idea. That is smart. Yeah, you can see you've got a bunch of little different things tucked in. Yeah, most people, most big readers don't like the dog earring, but I don't mind that at all. What's your next book? I'm curious. <laughs> ready for the next one? I'm ready for the next one. This book I've had for a long time, which is weird because I've moved a lot. It's called Lives Charmed. And um, it is basically like little mini biographies from all kinds of famous people. Oh, cool. But they're all talking about how they... And it's a little on the spiritual side as well. I guess I had a little theme going. But it's it's kind of how they feel charmed in their lives and how they kind of listen to the universe throughout their life and, and it changed them or made them who they were. Mm. Um, Woody Harrelson is a, a, a big contributor, um, but there's lots of big names in this book and people from different walks of life all talking about the same it's almost like the purpose you know why why are we here that kind of thing so linda 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 sivertson 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 found it in a secondhand bookstore read it cover to cover and have never let it go because i'm just like Wow. I need to read that again sometime. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and see what it means to me later. Was there one of the, like, so multiple authors there? Was it one of them that really stood out or no? Well, it's, it's, it's Linda that wrote the book, but she like interviewed all these people because she felt that their lives were charmed and how they got through like some really sticky situations sometimes. So it's, it's kind of spiritual. It's kind of biographical. And like the mindset that gets you through adversity. Yeah. And then the last book I brought because of my group here, because this is a Margaret Atwood book that is uh, more on the fantasy side, and uh, I'm not usually a fantasy book reader. Uh, I guess I sleep really well anyway, so I don't need to. <laughs> but my, my excuse is that I, uh, I'm always like, my imagination is so strong already, I don't need to dive into somebody else's imagination. I prefer nonfiction. <laughs> so that's what relaxes me. But I thought this book was amazing and really surprised me that it was Margaret Atwood that wrote it because mm. all the books that I'd read from her before that were either period-based or, um, you know, very historical in nature. And this was very whimsical, I thought. And the title is? Oryx and Crake. Oryx and Crake. Can you give us a bit of the plot without keeping it away? Futuristic. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. And I, I brought this because I enjoyed it, but I thought it would be a book that you guys might actually like. And you've probably read it already. I have read that one, and that's one of my favorites by her. Yeah. It's it totally is, it different. It is very it's different. Like, how it's, is this still Margaret Atwood? So that was one of the first books of hers that I read, oh. and so I was expecting more All of that and her other way. ones, and I was very surprised when I got into some of her short stories, yeah. because those tend to be a little bit more... What's the word that I'm looking for here? Um controversial right mm-hmm. yeah very very different vibe yeah than, than this is like you know that utopian society but it's also like really futuristic with mm-hmm. uh, you know complex characters complex characters that are like somewhat animal like robotic like all kinds of crazy stuff like that mm-hmm. I can't stop hearing about her handmaid's tale. Is this anything like that? No. Okay. Completely different. Completely different. She's on fire lately. Like just I keep She's hearing. a really good writer. Yeah. <clears throat> she just pumps out work after work after work. Yeah. Hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah. And they're all different. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if she has two books that are similar. Unless they're sequels. Because <laughs> yeah. I Good have one. the, I think the prequel to Handmaid's Tale, I haven't cracked into it yet, but oh, you I took that out from my last trip, yeah, nice. to the library last week. So I'm looking forward to that. And that's all I got. I love it. It's a good one. So the next voice you're going to hear introduce her books is my friend Amber Beckett. Now to say Amber is well read would be a bit of an understatement, loves books more than anybody that I know. And my goodness, she has, uh, she's had such a portfolio uh, for me to introduce here. She has a degree in science. Uh, she's had past lives as a 911 dispatch, a f- facilitator at the Simcoe County District School Board, a conversational calf host in Japan, 
yes, she's she's done quite a bit. But right now, she has a company called The Hello Code where she does uh, professional and personal development workshops. You can find more about her on thehellocode.com or find her on Facebook, The Hello Code. And I guarantee you, you're going to learn a ton. Here's Amber. So I can kind of give high level of why I chose the books that I chose. Yes. Maybe not go super awesome. in-depth in it, just to mix things up a little. So these first four books here are ones that I referenced really heavily when I was building my last workshop. Mm-hmm. So it's helped me with my... First of all, what's your workshop? Work philosophy. It's based heavily on how games can transform our everyday interactions in life. So taking mundane things that you do and sprinkling game magic into it to make things more fun, like grocery shopping or having tea with a friend and how you can yeah, transform those experiences. So it leans really heavily on this book called The Grasshopper by Bernard Suits, who happens to be Canadian. I'm not sure if he's tall if uh, I think he might have passed. But he was a scholar in the philosophy of games. And this book dives into the definition of what a game actually is and how we can differentiate things that are games from not games and like really clear conceptual analysis of that. But it's done in such a fun way. So he's got, he uses the parable of, you know, Aesop's parable of the grasshopper and the ant Mm -hmm. and how the ant is preparing for winter and storing up food and all of that. I don't know if your, your listeners are. And the grasshopper just plays. And it turns out that the ant ends up saving the grasshopper from death during this story. But he turns that on its head and said the grasshopper is actually the hero of the story because he plays and play is so important and critical to our lives. Wow. So that's pretty controversial and he tackles it really well. So highly recommend this. That's interesting. And it says he he makes he not only makes philosophy enjoyable as it should be but does so without any compromise of real profundity. So it's Oof. really profound, but light and accessible and goes at it in a very logical way. It's really cool in the style of Socrates and how, you know, the platonic questioning and how he has his students ask him questions and try to poke holes in his logic. Mm. So it's done that way, but with like ants and grasshoppers. And it's really fun and really, really dense. I love it. The perfect balance. Cool. Um, another book is How to Think Like a Roman Emperor. It's specifically about Marcus Aurelius, dives really deep into Stoic philosophy and how our mindset about life and how we approach things can really impact the quality of our lives. So if we approach things differently, even if the same things happen to us, we experience it differently and have more resilience. So How to Think Like a Roman Emperor by Donald Robertson. Correct. Hmm. There's a Ryan Holiday blurb, just like you said. Right. Yeah, there's a little bit of a stoic thread being wove through. There's a receipt, I see. (laughs) (laughs) What else do you got? I have this book by Kate Spade, New York, about occasions and celebrations and different ways to add more celebration into our life. This is a really beautiful like coffee table book. Okay. And 
they have suggestions for every occasion. They have oh, look at that. playlists for events that you might host and different recipes. And I really like the beginning of the book where it talks about small occasions, medium, large, extra large, how to celebrate your half birthday. Mm-hmm. Which something that's very important what to me. What do they have for Christmas? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Five-day event. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to get back to you yeah. on that. But I like this because it takes small things like making the bed, getting up the, the kids out of the door on time for school, not spilling coffee on your coat, crossing everything off a to-do list, walking onto the subway platform as the train arrives, right? Little things that maybe you take for granted and you don't have as much gratitude or enjoyment of them. Taking the time to celebrate those in in small ways. I think a lot of people sometimes think of celebration as this Mm -hmm. grandiose thing. Mm -hmm. And if you realize that just taking an extra 10 minutes or you know, having a dance party with yourself in the morning, that counts as a celebration or whatever it is that you want to do. There's lots of different suggestions in there. And if that interests you, I would highly recommend checking out. It's a really, really fun read. You had me at coffee book. <laughs> Isn't it pretty? It is. It's, uh, it looks fun. Mm-hmm. This is something you would definitely flip through and uh, just pick out something. Right. Yeah. So I borrowed that one from the library, but I think that's one that I'm going to have to buy and add to my collection so I can reference it again and again over the years. Mm -hmm. Cool. And then the last one that I used in my workshop is called The Art of Making Memories. And his, the author is Mike Viking, which you might not have guessed by looking at it. Yeah. But I'm Viking. Right. M-E-I-K-W-I-K-I-N-G. Mike Viking. Mike Viking, yes. And I met him. Oh, he wow. He did an author signing down in Toronto that I oh. went to. Nice. So can confirm this is how he pronounces his name. <laughs> and he is the CEO of the Happiness Research Institute in Copenhagen. So they do a lot about how happiness and our memories are interconnected. I've heard of that organization. Yeah, same. Maybe really? Sean Acor spoke about it. I can't remember. Maybe. But, uh, you did a, a presentation on something similar, right? Yeah, the, after after Amber actually told me about him. So mm-hmm. she told me about him. I remember you were describing how you shook his hand and you were telling me about your handshake of Sean Acor. Oh, yeah, that was but, awesome. Uh, but yes, that's right. It's Happiness Advantage. That's what the book is called. It's fantastic. It's really How was the handshake? I'm so confused. Oh, that oh. was a soft handshake. I, I remember. Really? Did you're I, you're I telling me that, that you I shook his hand that. and it was so soft. I have this memory of you describing really? that. Yeah, it's, it was such such a soft handshake. <laughs> I don't I don't recall that, no. but I'm glad that you do. No, so I was stage We're manager making memories at right a now. conference. Memories. <laughs> yeah. At a conference where he was one of the keynote speakers. So I was backstage yeah. and, and connected with him that way and was telling him about the impact that his work had on my students. And so we just really connected over that. And he's like, well, take a picture and show it to your students. And I'm like, really? I wasn't going to ask because it's so unprofessional. But if you're offering. And he was just the kindest, most genuine person. You know, sometimes when people talk about things and that's their work, you think yeah. they're putting on an act like a thousand percent that's that's just who he yeah. is he's a genuinely yeah, yeah, yeah. happy kind 
giving person. I can't say enough good things about him in the you know half an hour that I spent in his presence. You may have told me all that stuff too. I just remembered a handshake description. I apologize. <laughs> Something about it was. What was his book? His book was. He had a whole bunch of happiness. Happiness is but... just his big one, and then he had a big. Something small, something big ideas. The orange frog. The orange frog. Yeah, I have. I have a couple copies me. of that. <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple copies of that that I can I can share with you as well. All right. Um, cool. He's is he the the newscaster? No, that's Dan Harris. Okay. Okay. His wife was a news Harvard, broadcaster, though. Harvard graduate and teacher, wasn't he? He created. Yeah, he studied, and that's that's what the book was about. It was about the outliers at Harvard because most Harvard students, amazingly, are quite depressed and unhappy. Yes, and right. so yeah. uh, and so and he's like, think, he, what, what he's... do they have to be unhappy? And didn't about? they start a class, or he co-taught a class on happiness, or something like that at Harvard? Yeah, because he was a PhD graduate, and he yeah. studied. He studied. He also was the the person at the dormitory who actually uh, right, was right. in charge of students. Yeah. So he, he made a point to look at what about those, those oddballs are actually happy and content. You right. know, they're genuinely happy. What is it with those guys? Because they're few and far in between. Right. And he, he did a fascinating job describing why, you know, mm -hmm. just to describe. I won't go into it now, but. Yeah. And moving the average up. I yeah. like that, that visual. <laughs> so those were the ones that I... Yeah, those are the four books that I referenced really heavily in that last workshop that I developed. And then these other three books, you know, I realized I read a lot of books by <laughs> middle-aged white men. Like, a lot. That seems unusual for you. I yeah. know. And so I wanted to actively change that. And so I took the opportunity to do that. And it's currently June, Pride Month here. So mm -hmm. I have two short story compilations this one is love and other thought experiments by sophie ward so it's a bunch of short stories that use different um thought experiments it's right in the title thought experiments and the stories are based around that so like the prison prisoner's dilemma and Ooh. and they use that to inspire the theme of the story mm-hmm so that really intrigued me and I wanted to, to get to know more. And because I read fiction at night before I go to bed, I thought short stories might be a good way to get into that so I don't have to worry about losing my page and falling asleep and the book falling on my face mm. and reading it all over again, right? So that was one collection of short stories. And then the other one was Maiden Mother Crone by um, Gwen Benaway. It's a compilation from a bunch of different authors that I can include in your show notes, maybe. There's a lot of them. And Fantastical Trans Femmes. So really alternative heroes in this story. This mm -hmm. is, looks like, uh, just the cover looks like, um, what do you call it, young juvenile what do you call them young like graphic novel? Not graphic novels, but it just... Young adult? Like young adult? Young adult. It's not. Um, is it? I mean, it could probably be okay for a young adult audience. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I got it in the adult section. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. But a bunch of short stories, again, really accessible, probably around 15, 20 pages a piece. And then it, I really wanted to be exposed to a wide variety mm -hmm. of different authors. And I thought that was a really good way to do it. And That's a smart intention to actually... 
you know, not just like read the, cause I, I, now that you think, I think I read a lot of middle-aged white dudes as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's what so, Scott published. Right. Like <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what's out there. Right. So it's actually make an intention to, that's uh, mm-hmm. really smart. Mm-hmm. And then the last one that I have here, because I read a lot of science fiction and fantasy, I wanted to really zone in on on black authors in that space. And I am embarrassed to admit that I had never heard of N.K. Jemison before I found this book. She is a New York Times bestselling author, and she won the Hugo Award three times in a row. Huh. And I had never heard of her. Like, I was very embarrassed about this. So this is a really interesting book called The City We Became. And it's a near-future New York City that is transforming. Mm. And the essence or soul of the city gets, I don't know, um, downloaded into six different people. So one is like New York, and then there are five other people that represent each of the boroughs, and they have to fight a battle to see if the city gets birthed. It's really, really interesting. The, The front cover says a glorious fantasy, Neil Gaiman. And if he likes it, he's got really good taste. <laughs> I trust him. So that was that was enough for me. And it's a really, really well written book. And I am I'm hooked on this author. I can't wait wait to get more of her books. Nice. The fact she's won three Hugos. Um, yeah. In a row. Like not row. over the course of her career. Oh. Like year after year after year. Yeah. The Victor Hugo Award? Is that what a Hugo Award is? It's like sci-fi. It's like um, it's only given to the best sci-fi. It's like the highest accolade you can get in the sci-fi uh, genre, I think. Okay. Is that named after Victor Hugo? Or I'm just curious the origins of the award. I I'm guessing. I hey, Google. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why is it Google working? I don't know. I'll have to check that out. Wow. My goodness. Cool. I wanted to try to get through that quickly because I brought a lot. I wasn't sure what I was going to talk about, and I ended up talking about them all. I love yeah, it. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Thanks for awesome. listening. The next voice you're going to hear is my friend Yash Lipkowski. Yash has a a background in engineering. Uh, currently, he is a lead for engineers at Bell Canada. What he was telling me is that during the pandemic, he was leading some workshops Uh, Because he noticed some of his team working remotely were running low on energy, just like the rest of us. Well, he didn't just sit back on his heels. He got on his toes, and he actually started teaching people how to hack their energy. Now, I've known from listening to several uh, speeches that Yash has given over the years how to tweak your energy, how he uses little tools and tricks. And he just he keeps enhancing um, just daily productivity, but his sleep, his eating – you're going to learn a ton from him. I always have interesting discussions with Yash because, uh, in my opinion, he's a futurist. He's always got his eye uh, 10, 20 years down the road where most of us are just fixing on trying to get through the week. I think Yash can kind of foresee what's around the corner. So You can find Yash's program that he's putting together at hackyourenergy.com. Buckle up. Here's Yash. Yash? All right. Well, why don't I start with what I've... Uh, what I'll hold the mic so you can oh, just thank you. Uh, what, what, what book did I last read? It was The Alchemist 
by Paolo Coelho. 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 Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, I, I, so I think it's a book that a lot of people have read. It's a well famous known book. Um, I've, I've heard of it. It's been on my reading list. What, what did you get from it? What I got from it was what's really neat about this book is that people read it over and over and over again, and it talks to people in different ways. So mm. I was contemplating certain changes in my life, career specific, and it gave me, it helped reassure some decisions I've made. It gave me a lot of clarity as to why I've made certain decisions. Mm. And as I followed this boy who traversed and went on these journeys for certain reasons, I was able to use this story to to correlate and make sense and find peace with the decisions that I've made. I was, uh, wow. Yeah. It is a, a spiritual uh, book. It, wow. it is a, it, it is a spiritual book. Uh, absolutely. And, um, yeah, I, I, I was surprised. It was, it was one of those books that sat on my shelf for a year and then I finally picked mm. it up and then I'm questioning why did I take so mm. long to read this book? So that was, uh, that was the alchemist. It wasn't the time. It wasn't the time. It's my exactly. favorite author. Really? Yeah. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. He's written a lot of really good books. Yeah. So I remember a lot of people were talking about that book and I picked it up and I couldn't get into it. I don't know if it was maybe the same block that you had. I was really struggling to get through the first couple pages, but I knew it was something that I wanted to read. So I found a graphic novel version of it <laughs> that was a lot more accessible. And for where I was at, I was pretty burnt out at the time. Graphic novel was perfect and I was still able to... Oh yeah, get the gist out of it yeah. and let it talk to you type thing. <laughs> that's a good idea. I, um, that's why I turn to audiobooks sometimes. It's, I want to read it, but you know it's more easier to absorb if you you know you're maybe multitasking walking the dog etc but graphic novels i think i'm gonna steal that i'm gonna steal that idea if you got the authors artists by any chance later on oh yeah you can you can if you go to the library and you search for the alchemist they'll give you the option of All right. the graphic novel and the list my second book, I, I love can... the Barry Public Library. <laughs> Little plug <laughs> for my pusher. <laughs> I, I, it's funny. I can, I cannot not talk about this book, and the three of you guys have heard me do a speech about it. I still talk about it to this day. I've read it four times. I've purchased well over a hundred copies of it. Anyone who reports to me has to read it. <laughs> oh, wow! And it's not. I'm not saying that. Hey, you, you have to read it, and this is the recipe you have to act. I'm just saying this is so you can understand me and how I make my decisions. Cult? Can you guess? I'm still pack I feel like I talk about it all the time. Like the, the one thing? Yeah, the one thing. I think I've read that because of you. <laughs> yes. yes. Possibly, because when I talk about the book, it, it, I'm so passionate about it. I was on vacation. I was beside my wife in Mexico once, I remember, and I couldn't get by, get past three pages without having to explain in full details what transpired in those three pages uh, to my wife. I... <laughs> I don't, well, I, I, to a certain degree, I, I, I know exactly why I love this book and what it did to me. What it, that book was to me was the key to accomplishing anything I want without burning out. Mm. And that's what, that's what it did. I read this book and I realized it, it gave me a recipe that really resonated. The principle behind it is the 80-20 rule, Pareto's principle, 80-20, mm -hmm. 80% uh, of your results comes from 20% of your efforts. Well, okay, if you know that and you think about your relationships, what you do at work, whatever success means to you, whatever it is that you want to do well at, how do you tap into that 20%? When you look at the percentage, it's nearly impossible. But what if you just said, I'm just going to do one thing 
mm. then you force that 20%. Then it's uh, it's very effective. So that's the one thing by Gary Keller, who's a very successful real, real estate, estate mogul. Yeah, <laughs> a billionaire at this point. So yes. this is the argument against multitasking, basically. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, multitasking is a hoax. In fact, there's a great exercise in the book that says, if you just try to count like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, then A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? Then try to, and time yourself, then time yourself to an A, 1, B, 2, C, 3, mm. and you'll notice it's twice as much. It's, it's a perfect smallest example mm. to prove that multitasking is a hoax. Um, it doesn't exist. And if you have multitasking on your resume, take it off because you're a liar. <laughs> wow. So that is, that is uh, the one thing. The next, uh, the next one on my list here is uh, 4,000 Weeks I want to hear by all about this one. Oliver Berkman. 4,000 Weeks adds up to about 76 years or 77 years, which is about your lifespan, usable lifespan, right? Because you got like your early years, shave right. off the last few years, which, you know, anyone who's got aging parents, you know, or grandparents. Um, aware of. Okay. Yeah. So you did know that we all die. I, uh, I haven't finished the book um, at the very end. Uh, I was afraid that they would say something along those lines. But uh, Interesting book cover. It shows you the ripening age of a banana, going from green all the way to uh, banana bread um, discoloration. What's, what, what does he talk about? What's this guy well, talking about? Well, what he talks about is is time in general. You know, uh, when did time hit us? We, it's funny with humanity... Time didn't really exist. Go back to the very first sundial. It was estimated about 1300 BC, but it wasn't too effective on cloudy days, especially depending where you lived. Um, it wasn't until 1300 that the first time came about. So what's important there is that Homo sapiens lived for 200,000 years, but living with clocks amounted to less than 0.1%. Mm. And if you and our brains are struggle to adjust, and what I mean by that is suddenly we're aware how much time we have left. As soon as there's a number, we now know mm. to a certain degree how much time we have left. But if you go back to the medieval times, how did they talk about time? Like, when do you have a meeting? There's no meeting. You, they, you know dawn, you know dusk, right? I mean, it, you correlate time to how long it takes to do something right. like milking a cow or taking a piss or, or <laughs> reading uh, something. And, and that's how people communicated in terms of like Will's reference. And more or less, right. time wasn't a thing. And as a result, anxiety wasn't a thing. So it's, is it a history mm. of time? And then how do we apply like, exactly milking that. a cow? It's, it, it's, about, it's about the use of time, how... If you go into time-saving technology, right, we've developed this incredible invention called the automobile. The automobile drives 120 kilometers an hour, allows us to go from A to B so fast. Thanks to this time-saving device, I now have to drive my son six times a week to hockey in different <laughs> cities, which consumes 20 hours. So oh, thanks to this time-saving device, I now have to spend it. So time-saving <laughs> devices just don't work. And we're in this vicious cycle for eternity now where we have more options, more everything. Time-saving devices just opens up more opportunities to fill up that time with something else. Right. How do you fight it? The answer? Get rid of clocks. Focus on what matters. Oh. Ah, okay. And so uh, that and that's it. Sense. So it really, it really does a really good job building up and makes you realize that, you know, how, how to use your time it makes you realize that you're if you're trying to win this battle against time you can't win it uh so how do you plan to use it and you got to just stay focused yeah hmm. i like that a lot of a lot of time management books is about okay here's how to cram more in how to how to yeah. change the reality of time and uh 
Huh. Just focusing on what's more important. Live in the moment. Yeah. Focus on what moments, live by your values. You know, that's how you beat the clock. So you, you have fulfillment. You've traded a day of your life for what you've done that day. Is that, did you live to, by your values? You spend time with your children. Did you spend time with that? So. I won't drop your mic. Okay. <laughs> it was a mic drop moment. Yeah. <laughs> the last book I'll mention, I, 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 it's on, it's written on my phone here is Changing World, World Orders by Ray Dalio. Do you guys know who Ray Dalio oh, is? Yeah, no. Principles. Principles. Yeah, yeah. Principles. That was another great book. Yeah. He is a multi-billionaire worth 25 billion or so. He manages the greatest hedge fund in the world. And a hedge fund would have been much greater if it wasn't that 2010, he stopped accepting new clients. He, he actually was trying to give money back because uh, he doesn't like managing too big. So he capped himself at $150 billion. And, uh, That's quite responsible. Yeah, yeah, quite responsible. Love him. Changing World Orders is about the inevitable cycle that we're in right now about changing world powers from the U.S. to China. Mm. It's happening. Ooh. There's no question about it. It's just a matter of when, how, and that if you follow the history, how it was once about the Dutch, then the Dutch transferred to the British, then the British transferred to the U.K., uh, to, to the, oh, wow. to the U.S. Oh, wow. U.S. is now transferring to China. It's inevitable. All the factors. It's like a train that's moving that you can't really stop. The only problem is the transfer of power has never happened in history without war. Yeah. And so if you look and if you correlate it to all the uh, what happens is in history is that during this time phase, people start to elect authoritarian powers. Look who was the leader of the U.S. for so long. And, it, it and kind of freaking me out. It, the book <laughs> is is petrifying. And and that's it. It's a reality. It really is petrifying. It's it's. I've, I read the book feeling that I should know this. Yeah. I'm a father of two two boys. I should know this. I should know what happens. And I believe that the next ten years will be rougher. Um, uh, but uh, it's uh, that's that's what the book is. And and when you know the macro macro economical view of the world, and you start to correlate it with what's happening right now in the market and everything, and you see this transfer. Don't, if anyone is listening to this and freaking out, know this. Know that, no, no two factors. If you go to the UK right now, the UK is fine. They're doing great. They transferred their power to the US in the 40s in the Second World War, so nothing, nothing to worry about. If you are in welfare today in Canada, US, you live a hundred times better than kings and queens did a hundred years ago. So like, uh, think about that in terms of uh, to reduce anxiety. So overall, we're fine, but it's this transition that happens. And guess what? Some days, same thing's going to happen in China. There's going to be a transition of power to somebody else. And oh that's just God. the cycle of the world. My um, the only thing that we want to avoid is, of course, war, uh, because that's, uh, that's, 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 that's what could make us fight with sticks and stones in a, you know, World War Three. Isn't that the quote someplace? Yeah. Well, maybe I should have picked a more cheerful book. Uh, yeah, so yeah, another one. Psychology of money. Let's psychology of money. Fable Heaven. My children's, uh, my children's uh, fantasy books that I read for going to bed. Perfect. Um, yeah, maybe that would be good. Actually, maybe people need that. After we need, we need talking a about bit that. Yeah. So, hopeful. so, uh, so I, I, I'll say this. I, I, I'll end that the fact that I, I'm a big, I'm big into health and wellness, and I, I read a lot in terms of what can you to to just. Uh, improve your overall moods but everyday energy a lot of us struggle with sleep sleep is critically important to your health 
critically important to your mood. And a lot of us go to bed and our brains are just rolling, just spinning. We're thinking about the day, solving problems,、mm-hmm. etc. I know some of us lucky ones like Florette just hit the pillow and what? That, don't even know what it's <laughs> talking about. But if you are not one of those lucky ones that hit the pillow and your brain is spinning, the best advice. The best advice. At least the second one. <laughs> <laughs> The best advice that I was given. This is not. This is.、Uh, this has been by multiple psychiatrists, psychotherapists,、um, written many times. Is、uh, in fact one of the best tips to fight depression. Period is to read twenty pages of a fantasy novel, of a fantasy novel,、uh, ideally before going to bed. And why a fantasy novel? Because you can't correlate it to anything in your real in your real world. In a real world, there's no goblins, there's no you know、uh, witches, there's no any of that. So you got to make sure that you transport your brain into something that's、uh, completely fantasy and that not only slows down your brain, reduces anxiety, helps you sleep. It actually impacts the quality and the types of your dreams as well.、Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of benefits to it. So for that reason, I've been raking through my son's Harry Potters. Um, oh, wow. My son's Fable Heavens,、uh, uh, Wings of Fire. I think I read thirteen books I've about dragons. You can get like a、uh, lot of those、yeah. same benefits just from fiction in general. So it doesn't necessarily have to be fantasy, but just something that isn't like nonfiction. You're always thinking, how can I apply this to my life? How can I improve things? I need to retain these facts, right? And so if it's fiction, if it's if it's a You can just allow yourself yeah, to be immersed in it. So as long as you can't correlate it, so say if it's fiction, but it's like a, I'm an engineer, an engineering office in a fictional world, then I will start to correlate that to life.、Mm-hmm. So as long as it,、right. you you cannot correlate it to the real world, which is the key thing there, as long as you bring yourself to a fictional world that you do not correlate to your own、right. world, you're able to just enjoy the story, enjoy, disconnect, and not not correlate. So that's that was the instruction. So yeah, Fable Heaven, Harry Potter, Harry Potter does magics. Helps you sleep. That's that's a good note to end on. <laughs>、uh, would you guys like to do a plug? Yeah, I'm、uh, I'm soon launching a program called Hack Your Energies.、Uh, Hack Your Energy. It's a program to it's a program to boost your everyday energy. Give yourselves tips and tricks, one small hack at a time, so that you can give yourself a lot of energy, so that you can have sufficient energy to be the person that you want to be, and not settle for anything less. How, Hack your energy. How can people find you? Or... Hackyourenergy.com. Perfect. <laughs> nice and simple. Amber, I have to, I have to hear about. Right. So my business, the Hello Code, does offer the workshop that I mentioned. These books inspired the enchanting everyday experiences workshop, where you use the power of games to transform your everyday mundane experiences into something a little more magical. So you can find me on any of the socials at the Hello Code, at thehellocode dot com, or you can email me and I'll get back to you probably within a week. Amber、Maybe. at thehellocode dot com. And Florette, I mean, you teach real estate. Yes. I found out you have three jobs. <laughs> Two of them <laughs> is teaching about real estate. Where can people find out more about real estate? Maybe the market now. Maybe the do's and don'ts. How do they get a hold of you?、Uh, so I have floretnags dot com or investinliving dot ca is my website. So my philosophy with real estate is that it's an excellent it's an excellent financial advantage to own your own property, but also you can shape your life by choosing the correct property for how you want to live.、Mm-hmm. 
So that's kind of my philosophy. I love it. Well, thanks again, crew, for the wonderful dinner <laughs> conversation and um, adding to my book list. Jeez Louise, <laughs> just <laughs> you got enough. <laughs> I don't know. So thanks again. Thanks for coordinating this. This was yeah. really lovely thanks to chat us. books with Great everyone. Evening. Okay. I'd like to thank all my guests, uh, introducing in order of appearance, Florette Nags, Amber Beckett, and Yash Lipkowski. Thank you so much, guys, for coming over. You have no idea how much I needed to see some friendly faces and to talk about books. You can get all the book links, all that good stuff in the show notes. Uh, you can also find more information at ilovethisbookpodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in. Keep reading. Bookmarks and dog ears. See ya.